Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast. On this Monday, I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro, hoping that everyone is healthy and looking forward to Eagles Training Camp 2020. And at some point here, we expect official word on when training camp will begin. In the meantime, let's just keep talking about what we think this Eagles 2020 team will look like. And in today's podcast, we're going to focus on the news from last week. And that is Jason Peters re-signed for his 17th NFL season, a left tackle who is someday going to have his own bust in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, is back, but not to play left tackle. He's here to replace three-time Pro Bowl right guard Brandon Brooks, who, of course, is lost for the season after suffering a torn Achilles tendon as the Eagles conducted their virtual off-season program. Brooks, of course, was rehabbing from an injury suffered late in the 2019 season, a shoulder injury, and unfortunately, he will miss 2020. But the Eagles think that with this short time frame that they have to get ready for 2020, Peters makes the most sense. He has been in the system, of course, since the Eagles acquired him from the Buffalo Bills in a trade in 2009. He is one of the greatest offensive linemen in the history of the league. He knows the scheme. He knows the personnel. He knows the coaches. And he is driven to be the best no matter what position he plays. So today on this podcast, really interesting stuff. We'll talk with Ray Didinger, the Hall of Fame writer, Merrill Reese, the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles later in the show, about how rare it is for an Eagle to change positions. And I asked them, actually, could they come up with any names at all of players who went from one position of greatness to another? And were they great at that new position? So really good stuff from Ray and Merrill later in the show. Also, I'm going to talk with Trey Thomas, a former Pro Bowl left tackle with the Eagles who knows better than anyone what it's going to be like for Jason Peters to make that switch not only from the outside tackle position to the inside guard position, but from the left side to the right side. So that will be some really riveting conversation with Trey in just a few moments. But I want to begin the podcast here today with Lane Johnson. The Eagles all-pro, pro Pro bowl, best-in-the-game right tackle will play next to Peter, somebody that he's idolized since Lane was a first-round draft pick by the Eagles in 2013. Johnson has played with a host of players at that right guard position, none of them as accomplished as Peter's, and certainly given the time crunch here, because whenever the Eagles and the rest of the NFL are given the go-ahead to begin training camp, the preseason, if there is one, and the regular season won't be far behind. So we kick it off here. The Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group with a one-on-one conversation with Lane Johnson. Lane, let's talk about the idea of Jason Peters being a right guard. What are your thoughts on that? Man, I'm excited. I'm excited to play with him. He's uh, he's such a rare athlete. I mean, I think the transition may be, you know, a little bit tough at first, maybe in practice. Once he gets it down, I don't see him really being a problem just because of what type of athlete he is. Uh, playing next to him, uh, it's going to be a dream of mine, and I'm ready to, uh, you know, be a, a dominant right side in the league with him. 
you know, the, the questions, I mean, there's a lot of questions about it. Like, how do you, how do you quickly get your timing down with somebody after working with Brandon for so long? Uh, I mean, a lot of us with reps, but I mean, one thing with me and JP, we've always had pretty good communication. Um, but, you know, playing with him, you know, he's such a great athlete. I think whatever, you know, we may not, you know, be able to have all season time where we can make up with that just because he's such a great athlete. Have you ever taken a rep next to Jason? Uh, yeah, and tackle oversets. Yeah, we've done that throughout the years. and it's, it's always been fun. It's always been really fun. So his talent is so rare. What 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 is his skill yeah, set that makes you think that it can go that it can go that it can work going from left tackle to right guard? I mean, you're playing left tackle in the league, which is you know uh, tackle is a lot different than guard. You're covering a lot more space. Those guys have a lot more wiggle room. And whenever you put him in a box with J- Jason Peters, uh, I don't know if you've seen how he's built. He's built like a damn water tower, and uh, it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna take a uh, you know. Uh, a special guy to get past him, especially in that close proximity. Lane, are there things that you could do? Like, do you anticipate um, between now and the start of training camp, can you guys take sets together? Because I know you've been doing a lot of things with your offensive line. So, I mean, can you get some work in before then? Yeah, I believe uh, he's going to be in Philly next week. Um, so, I, I plan on linking up with him and uh, talking to him, hanging out. I'm sure we'll train some and, and uh, get some reps in. What a great, what it like a guy who's 38 years old, man. If he can make the transition from left tackle to right guard, I mean, we already know that he's one of the greatest of all times. What would that say to you? Somebody in his 17th year never played right guard if he's able to come in and do it. I think it's uh, pretty selfless of him, you know, making that, you know, adjustment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just put his full talents on display. I mean, uh, People don't understand that Jason Peters used to run down on kickoffs back when he was a rookie. And he, I mean, caught some touchdowns, I believe, in the NFL as well. So, uh, you know, he's, he's he's an anomaly as far as, you know, people longevity and playing at a, you know, the, at a high rate throughout, throughout all these years. There's, there's not very many people like him. So, Lane, finally, for Eagles fans who are a little bit nervous about the offensive line, what, what do you say to them about, you know, Andre going to left tackle and Jason – at right guard, what? How do you think this thing's going to come together as a group? Man, I know we got the the hungriest offensive line coach. We got a bunch of hungry players that that want to do well. And I think when you look at the you know the past years, whenever adversity's hit, we've always responded uh, very well. So I, I don't expect that to change. Lane, thanks so much, and uh, hopefully see you soon at training camp. Alrighty. All right, so you can hear how excited Lane is to play next to Jason Peters. From a technical standpoint, how difficult is this going to be for Peters without the benefit of all of those reps in the spring? We don't know how many reps in the summer he's going to get, how many preseason games he's going to play. What's it going to be like? Trey Thomas, well, he has an idea. All right, Trey Thomas, we now know what the Eagles offensive line will look like on paper. So I want to get your reaction. And then certainly as one of the great left tackles in the history of the NFL, you more than anyone will understand what Jason Peters faces going from left tackle to right guard. But let's look at this as a group. We got Andre Dillard at left tackle. We've got Isaac Sayamalo at left guard, Jason Kelsey at center, Peters at right guard, Lane Johnson at right tackle. Trey, how does that look to you on paper? I mean, on paper, it looks amazing because you know what type of players you have, you know, 
Kelsey, a pro bowler, uh, Lane, pro bowler, Jason Peters, Hall of Famer, you know, Dillard still up and coming and just seeing what Isaac is going to continue to prove. So on paper, it looks awesome, you know, to see those names, just that when you read those names, it looks awesome. But, you know, <laughs> going from left tackle to right guard, man, that's, that's, that's a push. All right, let, let's talk about that. We look from from me. I'm I'm watching. I go. Well, he's got to go from tackle to guard, so he goes outside to inside, and then left stance to right stance. Which is more difficult? Take us inside the very particulars of that of that move. I think the the most difficult is going from left stance to right stance. I mean, you know, Jason Peters is a powerful man. He still has the power and strength to go out there and move guys against their will. He still has the skill set to protect. The th- I think the toughest thing is just being able to get used to being in a right-handed stance and uh, being able to, you know, maneuver because, I mean, he's been in a – this is going to be JP's 17th year, I believe. Is that right? 17th year? Yeah, like that, that. Oh. that is correct, yeah. Yeah, so you've had, what, 15, 16 years in a left-handed stance because I know, you know, reports came out that he played right tackle for a little bit when he was in Buffalo – but, I mean, it's been 15 years of only being in a left-handed stand. So having to switch over and understand the muscle memory that it's going to have to take to get him used to being in the, on the right side of the ball, is it's going to be a lot, especially when you don't know how physical training camp is going to be, how, how that's going to be, and you don't have any preseason games to kind of test yourself against any live fire. Trey, what about the move from the – tackle position to inside and everybody talks about how much faster the action is inside what kind of challenge will that be i think it's going to be you know because you have everybody's right there on you you know it's like a tackle you have a couple like a little brief moment of time that it takes for you to kind of get until you make contact but at guard they're right there on you so that's going to be a challenge and especially i think that you're going to see guys where they might play them a little bit more I, i don't think that it would behoove some of these defensive tackles because Jason Peters is extremely powerful and and still athletic to play really tight on him. I think they're going to put him out in space to see if his muscle memory is where it needs to be. If he can take that set and be able to get out there on those wide four eye techniques, especially when you start, when you go up against Washington, that's a three, four front, you know, they're going to kind of give you a little bit of that where they're going to spread everybody out to see if you can handle Having to set out that that forty five from a right handed stance and be able to take on some of this uh, some of the pressure that's going to be coming from some of those defensive tackles, the interior guys. I remember talking to Jeff Stoutland a couple of years ago about about JP, and he said he can play any position on the offensive line. You believe that in in general that JP in in the right circumstances, given enough time, could play anywhere on the O line. Absolutely, I think if given enough time, yeah, yeah, he can do it, but he needs the time. You know, it takes. It takes that you're going to need it right now. What you only have, what, a month and a half to say, all right, you're going to be ready to start. You know, that that's a lot when you've been in a, in a particular stance for 16 years. Trey, that's the interesting part that I don't know if people really get that, you know, the offensive line, it is such a labor of love. You guys are dancing with heavy bags all through mm-hmm. the spring, just trying to get your dance steps down. It really mm-hmm. is all about those steps and the hand placement and the very technical part of the game. It, you have to be so precise to be a great offensive lineman, don't you? You do. I mean, a lot of people don't understand how technical it is. You know, I mean, it, this is a, 
I mean, you, you're, if you're off by your out, if you punch with your outside hand and you shoot your hands and your hand is only like a couple inches wider, you're screwed because you, you, you went too far with your outside hand. The defensive end can clamp your outside arm with a rip. And then now he bends the show, bends the corner, you know? So there's a lot. If you mess around and you don't take the proper stance, step, step at a 45. And if you step up field with your outside foot, just as a, as a habit, then now you're taking a false step. There's a lot of technique that happens within those couple of seconds of, of, of action right there. And, you know, I, I, I'm pulling for him. I'm hoping that he comes out there and he does well. But, it, I mean, you know, this is going to be a tough – this is going to be a big challenge for him, you know, get, being ready to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to go from light, left to right and also bump down to guard. You know, JP, Trey, you know you resort challenge. You know, you, you understand his mindset. He wants to be great on every snap. He's a student of the game just like you were and are. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think is going through his mind right now? Right now taking sets. I mean, right now, I mean, he should be just taking sets all day long just from the right-handed stance. I mean, you know, you might have to get somebody to come out there and put a helmet on and and to give him a little work to push against him a couple times just to kind of get used to it, you know, because this, 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 I mean, I could could see it a little bit better if they said, okay, you know what, we're going to go from left, left tackle to bump you down the left guard, I can see that a little bit better because it's, you know, you're still sticking with your left-handed stance. But when you're saying, all right, we got to get over on the other side of the ball, then now, I mean, it, it takes a, a, a while to get that feeling down and to understand what's going on. And I know he's going to be watching film on a lot of people. So, you know, it, it's just a matter of just getting used to getting down in that stance, making sure that you're taking the right set, and just getting out there, you know, because, I mean, being able to go out there and get the push, I'm not really concerned about that part of it. You know, uh, having the skill to be able to do it, that's not the problem. It's just that the comfortableness that, that he needs to feel being on the other side of the ball. Right. So what you're saying is if he had a normal OTA period, if he had a normal training camp period, four preseason games, maybe you play in two or three of them, you'd feel like, hey, this would be a much more – kind of, you know, uh, easy, not easy, but, but more doable transition. But the fact that you're going to be, you're going to be cramming all this stuff in, that's really what's going to make it so difficult. Yes. And then, you know, because you got to be aware of even the blitzes that's going to be coming, man. This is, this, this is going to be a lot, you know, because now, you know, you're going to be handling blitzes totally different because now if you mess around and get where that defensive tackle slaps across your face and that might linebacker comes screaming over the top, you have to be able to switch all of that off and be able to handle it. I know, you know, it's nothing when you're on the left side, but it's going to be a totally different way. You know, it's going to be a, a little backwards doing it on the other side of the ball. Well, on the other side of the line. The other side of the line, yeah, for sure. We, we, we've seen uh, Jason over the years here try to anticipate the snap count a little bit more and try to get that extra edge from the mm-hmm. left tackle position. Is he able to do that also inside? Uh, yeah, because I mean, because you know, when when, when you're doing that, you're listening to the rhythm of the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people are always like, "Oh man, he had all these false starts," and I'm like, you know what? They weren't always his fault because if the quarterback changes the rhythm of his cadence for any reason, nine times out of ten, the tackle is going to jump if he's cued in on it. You know what I'm saying? Now sometimes, yeah, you're going to jump. You're just going to get out there. Hey, man, I thought you said it was on one, and then you know it ended up being on three. Those times happen. But there are times where I knew that five, when I was out there with five, it was blue 88, blue 88, sad hut. 
So you know you get used to the rhythm to the point where all you have to hear is just one part of it and you know where he is in his cadence. But if he stalls for any reason, sometimes that'll make you jump. So it wasn't always his fault. Sometimes it was Carson's fault. <laughs> Trey, uh, knowing Jason, um, look, I mean, let's let's go with the, let's go with the idea that the Eagles have historically gotten it right along the offensive line. Certainly, that is the case. I mean, Jeff Stoughton, mm-hmm. they're always ready to go up front. And let's mm-hmm. go with the idea here that that it works. What would that say about Jason Peters, just as kind of a player who certainly already defined as one of the greatest ever. Yeah. But, but making this transition, what would that say to you? I mean, you know, what else could it say? I mean, he's already one of the greatest to ever play the game. I mean, you know, this just makes it even better for him. I mean, you know, just an extra feather in his gold cap already. I mean, he's already got the jacket. They already need to go ahead and fit him up for his jacket. I mean, they need to go ahead and skip the five years for him. But this is just an extra feather in his cap to just be able to say, you know what, yeah, I was uh, a Hall of Fame left tackle and bumped down the right guard and, and came out there and held it down. You know, that that would be extremely impressive, especially coming from anybody at, at, at this point in the game, too, where this is your 17th year, your 17th year, and you're making this switch. A lot of people are like, oh, well, you see you see guys get drafted all the time, and then, it, and then they make the switch to different sides or whatever. Yeah, that's when you're, like, 23 years old. But now when you're talking about 38 years old, 17 years in a game and been on one side of the ball for 16 years, I mean, you know, that's a big push. And, I mean, for him to go out there and be willing to do that says a lot about the uh, the type of person Jason Peters is. Trey, one, one final comment. I'd like to talk about Andre Dillard. Now that he knows that he's the left tackle, all systems go, what do you think he – what does that do to him from a confidence standpoint? Knowing, look, the Eagles – Eagles got his back. He's the left tackle. Yeah, I I think this definitely helps his confidence, you know, just knowing that, all right, you know, I'm the guy. Because that's what you want. You know, you all it's all about building up your confidence so that you can go out there and perform. You don't ever want a player in there thinking that, oh, if I make a mistake, I'm gone. You know, because there's that's no way to play, you know. So I think that that definitely helps him knowing that, all right, I'm your guy. So, all right, the Eagles trust me, the the team trust me. So it's going to make you – want to go out there and do all the extra work to kind of get yourself together so that you don't let that team down. Well, hey, look, we're going to be watching the offensive line from the very jump. It's going to be – I mean, I can't remember a situation like this. This is a this is a fascinating experiment. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's going, it's going to be interesting. I, I hope that – I really hope that it, it, it works out, and I hope JP goes out there and is successful. But, man, it's, it's, a, it's a big push. It's a big ask. Trey, thanks so much. Hey, anytime, my man. Take care. All right, you too. And now from kind of a historical perspective, just how rare is it for Peters to go from left tackle to right guard? An entirely new position. Can he still be great at age 38 at right guard? And has it ever happened in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles? What two better sources to bring in then Pro Football Hall of Fame writer Ray Dinger and the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles preparing for his 43rd season, the great Merrill Reese. Guys, uh, it is, it's obviously an honor to have Ray and Merrill together. Um, and we, before we get into the whether or not what we think of the move of Jason Peters from left tackle to right guard, I wondered, and I have given you a couple of days to think about this, can you name anyone and Merrill, you go first. In your memory, in Eagles history, that 
played one position really, really well, and then moved to another position and played really well there. Do you have anybody that, that comes to mind, Merrill? You know, I, I've been thinking about it. Ray is certainly a, a more qualified historian than I, but I can think of numerous offensive linemen who moved all over the offensive line. At center, they moved from one side of the other, guards, tackles, but nobody who was as entrenched in a position as Jason Peters and then was asked to switch. Ray? Yeah, um, well, first, the first person I thought of was Pete Retzlaff. Now, we're going, you know, we're going back a ways to say that. We're going back to the 60s. Uh, but, uh, you know, Pete was, um, Pete was a split end. Actually, well, Pete, the, the Eagles, when they first acquired him, he was a running back. And they moved him to split end. And he was the split end uh, for the team in the late 50s and then the championship team in 60. And then for about five years into the 60s. And then in 66, they moved him to tight end. Uh, and he was, and he made the pro bowl, he made the pro bowl at both positions. He was a pro bowler at split end and then they moved him to tight end and he was a pro bowler at tight end. And in fact, was, um, Washington touchdown club player of the year as a tight end one year. So, uh, I mean, he played two very different positions in that offense and played them both at a pro bowl level. You know, right now that you bring that up, I think at one point, uh, they were thinking of Harold Carmichael as a tight end. Yeah, well, remember, they, that's where they started him as a rookie. Yeah. His rookie year, uh, 71, um, they, 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 the first position they put him at was, was tight end because at that time, the Eagles weren't a very good team, but they had, they had really good wide receivers. They had Ben Hawkins and they had Harold Jackson. So they wanted to get Harold, they wanted to get Harold Carmichael on the field. And so they took him and they, and they put him at tight end. Um, and he was, you know, he was only there a short time and then he got hurt and hurt his knee and then finished out the year. And then he came back the next year and they put him outside. But yeah, I mean, when he first played as a rookie in 71, he actually did play tight end. All right. You guys are great. I, I, I went through the media guide and I just wrote down some names and let's, let's uh, Chuck Bednarik obviously played dual positions at the same time. So it really doesn't qualify, but, but is is the the epitome of a, of a two position player, Russ Kraft from 46 to 53 played cornerback and halfback. Ray, do you, re, do you have any recollection of, uh, I, I, as a kid was Russ Kraft, a two way player? Yes, he was. Um, but, but that was not unusual. As, as you said, I mean, Russ Kraft was, was Benaric like in that respect. I mean, he played, he played both ways. It, it, none, it didn't represent a position change or a position shift, uh, he, he was a guy that played both positions, um, didn't play a whole lot of offense really. Um, the only time he would play offense would be if they wanted to give Van Buren a rest or Pritchard, but he was primarily a defensive back and a, and a very good one, uh, a, a really good defensive back. But at that time, it was not all that unusual for guys to play both offense and defense. So well, it wasn't really, it was it wasn't really a position change as much as it was just a guy playing two ways. Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, at, in those days, uh, college football didn't use platoons. Uh, they just they the ball went from the offense to defense, and the halfbacks lined up as DBs. I mean, they, there were quarterbacks who stayed on the field for you know the the better part of the game. Oh sure, yeah, um, and 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 they carried over into the NFL too. I mean, there was there was one year where uh, Sammy Baugh, the quarterback for the Redskins 
was also their safety and led the league in passing and interceptions in the and same pu- year. And punting. And, and punting. And yeah, he led. He, it's, it's, uh, you know, football historians will sometimes point to that one year of Sammy Baugh being one of the great individual years of any player in any era because he led the league in passing, pass interceptions, and punting. By the way, Dave, uh, just to throw this out there, I don't know how many uh, Eagles fans still remember that in 1960, the Eagles' punter was Norm Van Brocklin. Ah, okay. Well, that, so he's not, I went, I went alphabetical in my list. And, and admittedly, look, some of these names, including the next one, you're going to go, really? How about this guy, Byron Darby, 1983 to 1986. He's listed as a defensive end and a tight end. What do you remember about him? Oh, I, I think he was probably a tight end for blocking purposes, but I don't remember Byron Darby ever being thrown to. Okay. I remember this name, but it was very brief. Cecil Gray was a, an offensive lineman and then defensive tackle, only played for the Eagles 1990 to 1991. So, you know, doesn't really qualify as somebody who excelled at any of these positions. <laughs> the, the only thing I remember about Cecil Gray is the fact that we were on the West Coast for a preseason game, and Cecil Gray and I shared a roller coaster at Disneyland. <laughs> now, now here's a good one would Todd Harriman Demiral, you mentioned it earlier defense, uh, offensive lineman who played guard and tackle would Todd Harriman maybe qualify as a guard tackle he moved around the offensive line well and he, he was also he, he also had a couple of receptions one for a touchdown at least uh, but that's when it was a tackle eligible but I guess what but the the fact that he did move around a little bit, yeah. But again, he was never as entrenched. He was a very good football player. But you're talking when you're talking about Jason Peters, you're talking about a lock for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the one the one reason that Harriman's is a little bit similar and, and is a better example of what you're kind of trying to talk about is the positions that he played. He played them with the idea that that's what he was going to be. It wasn't it wasn't a forced by injury kind of thing. Um, they drafted Todd. Todd was a tackle in college. Uh, they brought him in uh, and they put him a guard. Uh, and uh, and he really wanted to play tackle. Uh, he started at guard and was was really good. Uh, and then one year they decided they would try and move him back to his natural position, which was tackle, his college position, which was tackle, and he played out there. Uh, and then they moved him back to guard again. So he 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 sort of like started. It was one of those things that was by design. I mean, they wanted him to play those positions. And Todd really always wanted to be a tackle. Uh, I remember writing a story about him, interviewing him about that because he, he played it in college. He was comfortable there, and you know, selfishly, a little bit selfishly, tackles make more money than guards. So I think he felt like he could play tackle, and he kind of wanted to play tackle. He got the opportunity to play tackle, uh, but then they, you know, then they moved him back inside. But the, I agree with Merle. He was, he was a really, uh, he was a very effective player at both positions. He really, he played both, and he played them both pretty well. Yeah, you know, talking about Jason Peters, I have to say this: I, I honestly believe he can play right tackle in his right guard in his sleep. I don't think he's going to have any trouble whatsoever making the adjustment. Right, we will get to that in just a moment. We'll get just a few more names here on the list. How about this, this name? Uh, as I was a kid growing up, I, I love the name. I love the offensive line. Wade Key was listed as a guard and a tackle. Was he just a versatile player? Um, yeah, I, I would say that. Uh, he, played, he did play both positions. 
Um, he was actually they, when they actually first brought him when they when they first drafted him, uh, and he played a year with the Pottstown Firebirds back when back when there was such a thing as a farm team, and the and the Eagles had a uh, a team in Pottstown that they called the Firebirds, who wore hand-me-down Eagles uniforms and actually worked played out of the Eagles playbook. Uh, Wade was a tight end. Uh, he was a tight end in college, and when they drafted him, that's what they wanted him to play. And when he went to Pottstown, that's what he played. Uh, but he he got big, and he you know he he wasn't a particularly good tight end, but he was big enough to move into the line. And so by the time he came up and really started playing and competing for a spot with the varsity, um, he he went to the offensive line and he played. Merle, I I would say the Wade probably split time between the two positions. He I I know he played both, and he probably played them both about equally. Yeah, he did. And then in the off season, he'd go home to Texas and run his ranch. He had a cattle ranch. I love yep. this. I love this. I love this kind of stuff. Here's one final name on the list. Now, I, I had also put Dan Klecko, but he was only here for a year. And Jermaine Mayberry played guard and tackle. And Reggie Singletary played defensive tackle guard. Not particularly distinguished. But this was a name that, that I remember a first, former first round draft pick in the Buddy Ryan era, drafted as a cornerback, Ben Smith, who injured his knee and then went to safety. So maybe there's a little correlation there. Well, you, you know, you brought up Dan Klecko. He actually lined up as a fullback quite a bit. Yes. But only, he's only here for one year, fullback and a linebacker. So I kind of just take that as a – and I know he's won three Super Bowl rings because he reminds everybody of that all the time. Um, but I didn't really include him as a long-term success story with the Eagles. He, he's, ben, also the, he's also the answer to another trivia question. Which is? Who caught Super Bowl touchdown passes from Tom Brady and Peyton Manning? That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, guys, it's not it's not a particularly there. It's very difficult. Ray, you talked to me when when we first spoke a couple of nights ago that there was one name that you that immediately jumped to mind in the history of the NFL who made this kind of transition. Yeah, Frank Gifford. Frank Gifford. Um, Played through the fifties as a as a pure halfback, running back, um, and was you know Pro Bowl player, star player, Hall of Fame level player, and um, then in nineteen sixty has the game against the Eagles where Chuck Bednarik hits him with the shot coming across the middle at, at Yankee Stadium. He goes down, knocked out, severe concussion, misses the rest of sixty, misses all of sixty one, uh, and but then when he comes back to play in sixty two. Um, he comes back as a pure as a pure wide receiver. Uh, was not was out of the backfield. Was split wide. They had Del Schaffner was on one side. Frank was on the other side. So he came back and for a you know for a Giants team that was in the running playing in championship games, uh, he made a complete position change and made the Pro Bowl at that position too. Didn't play all that much longer. I think only maybe two more years. But he played it as a wide receiver. Well, Ray. Wasn't wasn't your favorite player of all time Tommy McDonald, a running back at Oklahoma? Sure was, sure was. He was a running back. He was a halfback at Oklahoma, and uh, uh, actually had one year at Oklahoma where he led. Now this is going to sound ridiculous, but trust me, it's true. Uh, he led the team in rushing, receiving, passing, 
and interceptions. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I don't know that there have been a whole lot of pl- players in the history of either pro or college football that could make that claim. Uh, but but he but he really did, and then yeah, and that was part of the problem that he faced when he came to the Eagles was he got drafted in '57, and they got him, and they didn't quite know what to do with him. Um, they started him out as a running back, um, and then they moved him they moved him to to defensive backfield, and it wasn't until late in the season he kept saying, you know, I want to play receiver, give me a chance to play receiver, and it wasn't until the end of the season when a couple of the veterans got hurt that they gave him a chance to go out and play receiver and once he got to receiver then he definitely had found his home. But you know, Dave, really... you know Ben Ben Smith is a Ben Smith is a good one. I mean, um you know, I think that he I, Buddy's Buddy's idea was Buddy wanted him Buddy really wanted to make him a corner. Uh and he was actually he actually was playing it pretty well and then he got the knee injury and that and that sort of uh shortened his career but uh he was he was a really talented player who actually could play either of those positions and would have played them well, I think, for a long time if he hadn't gotten hurt. Ray, you actually juggled my memory, as you often do, and there was another Eagle. Eagles lost in the race for O.J. Simpson. I don't know what would ever happened to O.J. Simpson, but they wanted O.J. Simpson as did everybody else. And, and, of course, they ended up losing him to Buffalo because the Eagles foolishly won a game in the mud and uh, ended up taking this great running back that some people felt would be a better running back than O.J. Simpson by the name of Leroy Keyes from Purdue. Correct. And he was not very successful as a running back, and the Eagles turned him into a defensive back until he got he tore his Achilles in an off-season basketball game and was never the same. True. That's true. Um, he was, he really didn't, he, he, I mean, he got nowhere as a running back. He, got, he played, he actually played both ways uh, at Purdue. He played, uh, he, that was, he was sort of at the tail end of um, of college football where sometimes players would play both both sides, and he did. Uh, he was a running back and a defensive back at Purdue, but the Eagles drafted him with the idea of him being a running, running back. back. Yeah. yeah, and he came and he joined the team and he just he just wasn't, he just wasn't an NFL running back. He just he, he had some size, but he didn't have a whole lot of speed. Uh, and then sort of they didn't want to w- waste the pick, so they figured, okay, let's just put him over on defense and see if we can get a play out of him here. Um, and they played a game down in Baltimore. Merle, you probably remember this. They played a game down in Baltimore, and the Colts were good then. Uh, and he wound up, he spent the whole game covering a guy named Willie Richardson, who was mm-hmm. who was one of the top receivers in the NFL at that time. And Unitas was the quarterback, so the Colts could really throw the ball. Um, but uh, Leroy Keyes you know, did a tremendous job covering Willie Richardson. I mean, Willie Richardson was lighting up every team in the league. They put Leroy Keyes on him, and because of the fact that Leroy was bigger than most defensive backs at that time, he was you know about six feet three. Uh, he was able to cover Richardson, and they said, "Hey, I think we found something here." So he played. He played corner for a while, and then uh, in a, a year or two later, they moved him to safety, and they had him playing safety next to Bill Bradley, and they were actually a pretty effective combination. Uh, and then, as Merle said, he suffered the Achilles injury, and that pretty much ended his career. You guys are absolutely amazing. All right, let's get to Jason Peters here. Uh, this is obviously a very unique situation, rare in, in NFL, you know, kind of in, in the annals of the NFL. Uh, Merrill, you, you begin because you started on it. Why do you think Jason will make this transition so seamlessly? You know, I, I have to give credit to my spotter, uh, Billy Warrendale, who is always talking and changing positions and projecting. And for years, Billy has said, at some point, they are going to move him to guard. 
But Jason is such a talented football player who, to begin with, made a switch from a college tight end to an NFL offensive lineman. I mean, a pass-catching tight end at Arkansas. But I want to tell you something. He is so talented that the only thing he might lack is is speed. And, And I think as a right guard, he is going to be just very, very comfortable. I think he's He's that kind of tough player. And I also want to say, Dave, and some people are going to disagree with me because there was such a to-do made about it last year when Andre Dillard uh, tried to move to the right side. I don't think there's as much, much about making that switch from left to right as was said. I don't think it's the same as making a right-handed person who writes with his right hand learn how to write with their left hand. Yeah, there's some adjusting, there's some practicing, but I think somebody like like Jason Peters will have no trouble making the switch in sides or moving a step inside the guard. Ray, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm with Merle. Uh, I think it's going to work. Uh, I do. Um, for, for a couple reasons. Number one, and this might be the most important reason of all, he wants to do it. You know, a lot of times when you get a guy who's a, who's an, a pro bowl, all pro level tackle, and you get and you try to tell him you're removing him to guard, the guy he resists it. Yeah, I mean, he regards it as kind of a demotion. Um, and sometimes, if if the guy doesn't have great desire to make the change, then that makes the change more difficult. And that's not the case with Jason. I mean, Jason Jason volunteered this a year ago. Said if you need me to move inside, I can move inside. I'll do that. Uh, so he he's got he's motivated to do it. Uh, I think he's happy to be back with the Eagles. I think he's happy with this situation. So his attitude is good. You know, sometimes you try to move veteran players. You have to try and convince them that it's a good idea or it's best for the team. Uh, And they're only half-hearted about it. That's not the case here. Jason wants to do this. That's number one. Uh, And number two, I I kind of agree that the idea of moving left to right, it's. I think it can be a challenge if you've never done it. But the fact is, you know, you're, you guys both know how much unbalanced line this team has played. They play it a lot. And when they go unbalanced line, Jason Peters flops over to the right side, and he plays on the outside of Lane Johnson. So, in effect, he's, he understands playing on the right side of the line. He's played with his right hand on the ground. It's not going to be unfamiliar to him. And the other part is when you're – a lot of his time, he's just going to be in a two-point stance anyway. You know, he's just going to be – he's just going to be – that's how he plays – and if they're in the shotgun, and this team's in the shotgun a ton, he's probably not even going to put his hand on the ground. He's going to be in a two-point stance there anyhow. And he's playing between two guys who are pro Bowl-level players that he knows, uh, and he's played the game forever. Uh, I, I really don't think it's going to be. I really don't think it's going to be a problem. I and you know you probably have to zone block up on that side because you don't want to do a lot of man blocking. But I think you put those guys together. Really, if you put those guys together, Kelsey and Johnson and Peter's in between, and you have Goddard on that side, who's a really good blocker. I don't think people realize what a good blocker Goddard is. Um, that's pretty strong. You know, I, th- I think this will work fine. The only question is, um, you know, the injury factor. I mean, Jason has had his injury issues over the last few years. But if he can stay healthy, I have no doubt he can play the position. Gentlemen, this has been absolutely fabulous to have the two of you on the in, this, this podcast, a trip down memory lane. And something to look forward to here with Jason Peters moving to right guard. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Dave. It's always a pleasure to be on with Ray, and it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I really enjoyed it, David. Anytime. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. That will do it for this Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. 
Hope you enjoyed. I know that I did. Would love it if you're able to give us a little review. A five-star review is always welcome in the Apple Store. We've got some links for you in the details section of your podcast library. Thanks to Ray Doyle and Peter Kelly for their great work here. I'm back on Wednesday, hopefully with some clarity on exactly what is going on with training camp for all 32 teams in the NFL. Thanks for joining everyone. Eagles insider Dave Spadaro saying, have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly Eagles fly.